welcome back to the Holy Hardwood Podcast with Pat and Tony. Coming into the 2024 year, the Pelicans have just passed the 41-game mark. They're officially halfway through the 2023-2024 campaign, and things are looking up. Tony, how are we feeling? What are we thinking of our New Orleans Pelicans at the moment? Yeah, Pat, great to be back with you. I think the last time we had uh, chatted or discussed was uh, probably the game before the five-game road trip, uh, which was that Clippers game. So, you know, all in all, when you you, you think big picture, uh, when the team goes three and three in that six-game stretch where we said it's probably the hardest stretch of the season, you, you, you would take that any day of the week, I think, given the teams that you played. But I do also believe that the Pelicans left a few games out there um, as well. Felt like there were some gettable games there, and uh, just uh, depending on you know how things went and how things played out, uh, it's a little frustrating that you couldn't get another win here or there or, or a second win. But you know, all in all, you uh, come out of the road trip and that one game that you had at home against the Clippers, three and three. Things are definitely looking up, like you said, and as well to go along with that. Uh, you know, last night's win against Charlotte, so a lot of positives to come from all of those games as we get in here and discuss it all. Yeah, and that's a, that's an accurate recap. Kind of like you said, you know, you you have a game, you know, a six-game stretch like that, especially that's pretty, um, you know, road game heavy, right, against the opponents that they've had over the last six or seven. Like you said, obviously some opportunities out there to potentially – um, steal an extra game or two, which obviously, you know, may end up playing a role as we come down the stretch here as tight as standings are. But, um, you know, all things considered, they they played um, pretty good basketball, as we typically expect. They they competed and played at a high level against um, a lot of pretty highly touted, um, you know, high-level teams, especially, you know, teams coming out of the Western Conference. So no surprise there. But, um, you know, the biggest thing to me is it, it feels like coming out of this stretch and it, it just so happenedly being congruent with it being the, the halfway point as we lead into the all-star break here approaching shortly. It seems like the biggest thing to come out of it was just um, it seems like this team really has like a sense of clarity, right? It seems like they're really rounding into um, understanding what their identity is and what they need to do on a night-to-night basis that, that helps them stack wins and, and play to a style that makes them very difficult um, to be beat, you know, not saying that they certainly don't have nights where they, they fail to do so and, and they just they don't play with a lot of energy and, and things of that nature occur, but it seems like the nights that they do get it, pull it together and the nights that they do come out with a win, that, that they're winning in the same manner every single night. So I think that that in itself is a big step in the right direction um, and certainly poses well for them as they, they round this halfway point and really start looking towards the back end of this year and, and carving themselves out a solidified spot in the Western Conference playoffs. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more uh, from that perspective. Uh, kind of just hitting on that road trip or those last six games and uh, not really hitting on the game from last night. I think you kind of saw, you know, this team win a certain way. They lost in a couple different ways. So, I mean, it was one of those road trips or this six-game stretch where, you know, like you're hitting on when they were playing really, really good. They were beating really good teams by shooting the ball really well, defending at a high level, um, you know, with against the Sacramento Kings, against the Golden State Warriors. Um, that first game against Dallas when we had a limited crew, 
you saw all those in the wins pretty much look the same, but in those losses, it was, it was a little bit different. You did, you, you really had like a no show game against the Clippers, Denver, you were probably in it for a little bit. Um, and then that Dallas game, I just feel like they just didn't come ready to play, uh, granite, you know, they came back and, uh, ha- had that lead late in the fourth quarter. Um, so that's where I touch on where another, another way that they kind of lost. So they kind of had a blowout, uh, loss, um, against the Clippers where they didn't show up and Denver kind of took, took care of business as well. But then against Dallas, even though starting slow, we fought back, you know, hit some shots there end up going up 10, I think, in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, our, our classic, you know, last of the five-minute um, stretch where we don't seem like we can, uh, you know, make shots and those things uh, kind of hiccuped us in that game. But, you know, like I was saying, a lot of different ways that we either won, lost, and, uh, you know, just really proud of the guys, I guess, because – in very ways where you're saying you come out 500 and three and three, you could have very well been, you know, one and five, two and four. Um, so you're just happy that you get uh, a three and three, and then you're back here at home for, I think a four game stretch or a three game stretch now after last night's game. And it's, it's always the hardest that first one back from a long road trip. And I think the team really responded well, hitting a franchise record, uh, you know, 25 threes last night and a couple of the guys looking really, really well. Um, especially Jordan Hawkins, who, you know, I've loved uh, to see his growth throughout the year, finally getting another opportunity in the rotation. And I think that's, you know, paid dividends for this group. I think we've both been uh, really big fans of his. And I think, you know, halfway through that road trip, they started, uh, Willie started giving him some more opportunities and, you know, he's taken the ball and kind of ran with it. Yeah, and I think the big takeaway, like you said, from those wins and those losses is um, it just feels like they know exactly how they want to play, right? The the nights that things are clicking, you can see if this team wants to play with pace. Um, you know, they want to shoot a certain number of threes. I think Willie's touched on the, the key metric there for them is 40 threes a night. Um, and, and then they're continuing to defend, right? And I think we were seeing that in spurts, especially when we'd have different rotations and different lineups of guys starting or not starting due to injuries or whatnot. But it seems like we've, we've closed that gap and, you know, those units have really melded together. And and now we're really starting to see that throughout the roster and throughout the lineup. Um, You know, especially when, when having Z in the lineup, right. That was an area where we were, we were feeling like we were playing at a slower pace and we were having a different identity night tonight based on who was in the, in the lineup. But, I, I feel like we've closed that gap and this team knows how they want to play and, and what makes them, you know, the toughest out on a night to night basis. I think a lot of that comes from this team has always been, you know, I don't want to say defensive oriented, but you know, they, they take a level of pride in playing defense and making teams work and, and getting stops. And I think that that's been something that's occurred throughout this year, but obviously when you're taking less and less threes and you're taking more and more, you know, mid-range jumpers and, and things of that nature, right? Your your margins get smaller, although you're playing a, a, a high level of defense, right? Just because, um, you know, if the other team's shooting a, a high volume of threes, you know, that extra point each possession, um, it's just, it, it's harder to pull away from teams um, and to, and to, you know, maintain leads when you're playing a high level of defense, when you're only taking, um, shots that are worth two points each possession. So I think just mathematically the, 
the focus on the three-point shot and, and what that's allowed this team to do, um, especially in their wins, you know, the last three, four, five wins you've seen. They're continuing to play that same level of defense they always have, but now they just have that punch, um, you know, from the perimeter that pretty much just knocks these teams out and really slams the door shut and really doesn't allow teams to, you know, fight their way back in. And, and you're seeing these games are being um, wrapped up a lot quicker, right? You're, you're almost seeing that, you know, it's different, but in the same way, right? Some of those those characteristics that those really good Warriors teams had was, you know, everybody was ooing and aahing about Steph and Clay shooting, but at the same time, they were a great defensive team. But that in tandem with the fact that they were so explosive from from the perimeter really just, I mean, if they had it going offensively, um, you know, in contrast with what you knew they would bring on the defensive end, it just it seemed like a, something that other teams just could not overcome. And I think that's what you're seeing now is, is the Pelicans are really tapping into that, um, into that, you know, style of play. And, and you're hopeful that, this bodes well for the team moving forward. And, and this isn't, you know, we're not having to go back down that path of, you know, readdressing this and figuring out, um, you know, a different scheme or a different style. And I think um, coming out of last night, as we segue into that first night of this homestand, um, I think they took that even a, a step further, right? You saw a guy like, you know, Brennan Ingram come out with a, a clear intention to, to shoot prime or perimeter jump shots and to hunt perimeter jump shots. Um, and it was great to watch, right? It was great to see him um, expose defenses for for giving him any space because we know he's a, a high-level shooter, right? Um, we know he's incredible from the mid-range and can hit tough contested shots, um, you know, at a better rate than almost anybody in the world. Um, so, you know, it, there's no reason why that wouldn't bleed over into his perimeter shooting and his ability to knock down three-point shots at a high clip. Um, and we certainly saw that last night. You could see that, his attention and his focus on finding those perimeter jump shots not only impacted his own game and made things easier for him and, and made him a more efficient shooter with, without having to, to work as much offensively, it, it really bled into everybody else, right? It, it just, you could feel everybody was, was thriving under that style and everybody else was wanting to also, you know, make that extra pass for another guy to get a clean look from the perimeter. And then you start sprinkling in guys like Trey Murphy and CJ McCollum, and then, you know, obviously as of late, you know, a, a guy like rookie Jordan Hawkins that really when, when they're playing with that style, you really get to see how many weapons this team has in terms of perimeter shooting, which they haven't had in years past. So to me, that's the biggest thing. And, and it's great that they went three and three and it would have been even better if they went, you know, five and one, or even if they went one and five, I, I really wouldn't have cared as much if they still would have came to this conclusion that this is how we need to play. And this is, when we are most effective. So for me, that's what I'm the most excited about is I'm really excited to see over the next two to three weeks, you know, can this team continue to play with that style regardless of wins or losses, right? Can they, can they really commit to it and continue to evolve as a team offensively? Um, because I think it's just them being able to shoot that volume of shots from the perimeter, um, you know, in tandem with their ability to hit tough contested shots in the mid range and play around the rim with Zion and then obviously compete at the defensive level with, with certain, you know, guys such as a Herb Jones, Dyson Daniels, Jose Alvarado, and Najee Marshall and Stintz, right? They really have this great collection of styles that I think bodes very well going into the future and makes them an even more dangerous team with a with a higher ceiling. Yeah, that that's a great, you know, breakdown, Pat. And, you know, kind of over that um, last five, six-game stretch, I think there was a lot of, 
you know, noise or discussion about Brandon Ingram's play. And, you know, off of there, we kind of discussed, you know, what may have been going on and, you know, what might be going on through his mind and how teams are playing him now, especially since that Clippers game and how they're bringing more doubles. And it seems like he kind of lost his aggressiveness in a couple of the games. And we said, we don't know if it's coaching, if it's BI, if it's just him saying, okay, well, we know, you know, Zion and CJ have had it going the last few games. So I'm just going to be more passive and everything like that. But I think, you know, yesterday or last night's game shows you truly what BI's potential is on a team with really, really high upside and could, you know, they get things together and start playing this way consistently. I mean, Brandon's a guy that, you know, was pretty much unstoppable when he was playing how he was playing last night, and especially with all the shooting that around him. I mean, there's a night-to-night basis where I can say, hey, like, we've seen this now. Obviously, we're not going to go hit 25 threes every single night. So the assist might not be up there and everything, but he's got the potential to make these open looks from all of his gravity that he's pulling away from people. It's now on just the shooters making shots. And like I said, they're not always going to make them at that high of a clip. But, you know, the way that these teams have kind of been taking him out of the game, he can't let that, you know, force himself or force his hand to just be like, oh, well, I just need to become a passer. Where I think last night from the get-go, I don't know if it was a coach saying something or the players and saying, hey, just go be aggressive, find us open looks, go find your shots, and we live with the results. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, last night's version of him, whatever it was, like you said, that was said or whatever his mindset was or whatever he saw on film, that that's that's my favorite version of Brandon. That That version that you got last night, that shot profile – Everything about that is is the most dangerous, the most high upside, the most impactful. Like everything about that is is him at his very best, right? Like he, I mean, that was an easy forty point night if he even makes thirty percent of the typical shots he hits from inside the paint, right? You'll never see Brandon go over seven in the mid range, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. We were we were talking about it last night. You know, I was like. When have we ever seen Brandon hit seven threes and go seven of 10 or seven of 11, whatever he was, and 0 for seven from the mid range? And like you're saying, like very easily could have been a 40, you know, 10 and 10 or 40, 12 and 12. Like, and I think that rebounding too really got him moving aggressively towards that offensive end. And when he gets going downhill and he can attack the rim, you know, pull up for three and find those shooters, I mean, that like, how do you guard that as a, as a team, you know? That's just, I don't know. It's it's a great thing to see. Well, yeah, but a lot of that is is self imposed, right? He's got to make the conscious effort of, you know, deciding what that shot profile is. I mean, I think the numbers would probably say that he he averages anywhere between fourteen to sixteen shot attempts a night, right? So call it fifteen shots a night. You know, obviously not taking into account shots that he's fouled on, but essentially fifteen official field goals. For me, I think at least half of those, right? Seven of those have got to be, seven to seven and a half need to be three-point shots, right? And I think then at that point, you're going to have a mixture of those other seven. And, you know, some of those are going to be getting to the rim. And some of those are obviously going to be in the mid-range because he's highly effective there. But I think the point is he needs to pick his spots and there's, there's a time and a place for when those shots should be had, right? Earlier in a game, I think he needs to be shooting more threes. He needs to help stretch that floor for everybody else. 
if he's hitting shots on the perimeter, it makes him even more impactful when he decides to put the ball on the floor and get to the rim. And then at some point, right, as the game slows down and closer games and you need to manufacture shots, that's where I think that's when you find that two to four mid-range shots a game that he's just creating looks for the team. And, and you know, you'd imagine he'll hit those at a 50% clip. So I think, like, last night, that needs to be the mold for him, right? He needs to be shooting, and obviously 11 or 12 was probably maybe a touch high, and I think one of those was at the buzzer that he threw. So he had anywhere between 10 and 11 legitimate three-point looks, and, and I would love that, right, on a night that you're hitting. But I think you've got to be at a minimum around seven to seven and a half threes a night for him, right? And I love the way he was taking them. Um, I think maybe two or three of them were catch and shoot. I love the fact that he was shooting them off the dribble and shooting them in transition, right? It, it, it raises his ceiling and the ceiling of this team to a whole nother level when he's having to be guarded that way. And I think that that truly will make everything a lot easier for the rest of his game where, you know, that's a place that he already is thriving and is incredibly difficult to stop. So, um, you know, obviously love to see it. It was great that they were falling, but I, I don't care if he goes 0 for 10 on the next game. I need him to continue the volume that he's that he you know showed last night and to still have that same level of um, you know drive to, to find and hunt those shots even if they're not going in because it's it's gonna even out right He's gonna have games of both and more times than not he's gonna be around four or five of ten right He's not gonna be seven of 11 but he's gonna hit a fair amount of those and it just makes everything so much easier. Yeah, and you you go with it being easier, but you, you flip it. I mean, that becomes very difficult to guard because you don't know what he's going to do. Like you said, he's going to have a couple catch and shoots, but then last night he also had a couple pull ups. And then when people start respecting that jump shot in that transition, that's where he pulls that quick hesitation or a move, and then he gets right to the basket, or he you know gets to the middle of the paint and kicks it out to those other shooters. And so at that point, I think it's just you know, regardless how he does it, it's going to be a win-win for everybody that's involved. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's nothing that would point to the fact that it wouldn't be. It's just, it has to now be a focus that you can't then regress back to saying, okay, well, I'm only shooting one a game. And I think part of that was, he's been someone who, in the flow of a game, if it's there, he takes them, but he's never been someone who has hunted them. Last night, I think, was the first sight I've ever seen in his career where he truly hunted three-point shots he was looking for three he was turning down other looks and other opportunities to shoot threes you know we've seen games where he's hit you know four five six threes and a lot of those have just been in the flow of the game and they just happened to be where he caught the ball or you know he was working off of somebody else getting a double team and you know he he still shot them but last night was completely different last night was a guy that would came out with with a style and a something he was focused on and saying every single time I had space from behind this line I'm shooting the ball and that's where you saw the that's that was the best version of him that level of player who who's able to do that and to shoot that amount of threes at that volume and on good nights make that amount makes him jump up a whole nother class of player right without that he's probably a, a top 20 player in the league but doing that and, and continuing to, like you said, impact the game on the defensive end, rebound the basketball, and, and pl- continue to play make at the level he is, that's where you start knocking on the door of, okay, this can be a top 10 guy in the league, top 10, top 10 player in the world, just because you know his offensive game would take, a, would take another leap. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting stuff to see, especially, like I was saying, come off, coming off of a stretch where, you know, a couple of the games he wasn't playing in fourth quarter, so that's why his numbers might be a little low. And then, you know, there's a couple games, if it's injury or being sick, he was on the injury report like that, or just game to game, it just, you know, hadn't been going, you know, right for him. And, you know, it was really good to see to him to kind of get a get get right game here with Charlotte and, um, you know, besides him, just really impressed with, you know, Trey Murphy and Jordan Hawkins' you know, shooting ability off of his, you know, big night the other night. And, you know, now that you're seeing some consistent minutes and, you know, we, we got to kind of have that discussion as CJ, Trey, and Hawkins. I mean, what better three shooters in the league right now, um, you know, on a team that on a night-to-night basis are going to, you're going to be picking other guys over those guys. Cause you know, CJ all year has been shooting about five, 45%, you know, Hawkins and Trey, you know, they're, they're climbing the ladder as well with the more minutes that they're getting and the more games that are getting under their belt. So it, it's becoming, you know, a real issue for these teams to plan for them, especially. And, you know, Hawkins is the one last night, especially just licking his fingers because he's getting all these open looks because they're obviously trying to stop the Zions and the Brandons of the world. And, you know, at this point, it's just, you know, more repetition and just hitting those shots for, for the team. Yeah, and I think Jordan's really the stir, or the, the straw that stirs that drink when you talk about those three guys, right? I mean, CJ's been doing what he's been doing, not only for his entire career, right, but you've seen him adjust his game this year to even take on more of a focus to, like we said, hunt perimeter shots and be willing to shoot those. Um, and obviously, Trey has, has been this way for, for two years now, but there, there's a, and all due respect to those two guys, right? They, they're both very good players, and a guy like Trey with his size, right? He's got a great upside and continues to get better and better. But there's something different about the way that Jordan Hawkins shoots the ball and the way that that it looks coming out of his hand. And it's just, there's something different, and it's, and it's hard to put your finger on it, but it's palpable, right? You can feel that there's something different about Jordan Hawkins as a shooter that. Like you said, it just seems like it really unlocked this group and it's just added them another dimension. And I think that, right, for the longest time, you know, you were the coaching staff and I think Willie in specific was was fighting back against this because obviously there are still times where he is going to get taken advantage of on the defensive end and, and he'll have growing pains as a rookie, whether that be turnovers or fouls, right? And that's going to happen. But his impact on the offensive end of the floor and, and the explosiveness that he brings to this team is something that they can't they can't not play anymore. He has cemented himself in that rotation. He's not coming out of the rotation. Nobody's going to take his minutes. He is way too valuable. I mean, arguably, he might be the third most valuable guy on this team, right? I'm not saying he's the third best player, but his impact on a night-to-night basis and the direct correlation that his performances have on those other two guys and what they're able to do um, is larger than anybody else on the team, right? Even when CJ's shooting it great and things of that nature, I don't think teams are going to fear CJ as a catch-and-shoot guy the way that they do Jordan Hawkins. Hawkins has some of that feel of guys like, you know, like a Clay Thompson, um, obviously nowhere near the player of a Steph Curry at this point of his career, but he has that feeling of where it's like if he gets a clean look, you expect every single one of them to to go in. And as he continues to get more and more minutes, and they find these rotations that really suit him to get and generate more shots, I mean, 
you're going to see his uptick go from, I think he probably averages five or six attempts a night now, just due to some of the up and down, that this is a guy that there's no reason you can't find him 10 looks a night. And at the clip he's shooting it at, some of those nights are going to be seven or eight of 10, right? And he's going to completely blow the doors off of other teams just because of how explosive he is from the perimeter. So um, absolutely blown away with Jordan Hawkins at the current moment. And I would say outside of a guy like, you know, Victor Wembanyama, who is the clear cut, like he is the diamond in the rough of this class. And I understand that. And for good reason, there's no reason that if you told me in five years, if you did a redraft, I wouldn't be shocked if you said Jordan Hawkins is the number two pick in this class because of the way he plays in the current game and the impact that that has, right? It's just, it it changes everything with him on the floor. And one thing I truly love, obviously, I love his shooting ability. I love a guy that can just shoot the ball. And, but it, but it's just like he has no conscience. Like, yeah, he gets into these games, and he honestly could go over ten. But then the next one, he's like, "Well, I'm gonna make make this one." Like yeah. he has no fear. He has no conscience. Like, you know, he could have the worst game of his life for the thirty minutes. But then the last two minutes of the game, he would be the guy. He's like, "Okay, give it to me two two, three times in a row and hits three big threes and wins you a ball game. Yeah. Like absolutely does not care what's happened before. You know, he just, he carries himself, you know, like a veteran already. And like you're saying, like all the great shooters, there's just a look, there's just a field. Like you can just see it where it's like, he knows and props to him for, you know, being a professional guy for that stint where, you know, he went down to the G League for a game. He hasn't been in the rotation. Obviously, he's still been getting his player development work in and, you know, comes in that first opportunity when all those guys are out and basically has 34 that night. And, you know, he's just like, oh, I'm just ready ready to hoop, man. That's all I really care about. And yeah. it, it's just a great thing to see. And, you know, like I said, that that trio of shooters, especially if you're going to this – brand of basketball which we kind of said since the beginning if you're wanting to play fast and have your defense lead to your offense and having to shoot 43s i mean i i'm a happy man having those three guys shoot at the clip that they're shooting and getting the attempts up like you said any of those guys could shoot 10 threes game i think and, all i think all three of them should through i mean if, if that number is 40 mm-hmm. i mean i realistically you'd like those three to each shoot around 10 a game and then you're gonna have you're going to have Brandon, hopefully, like I said, at that 7 to 8 on the high end, and that gets you to around 38. And then, obviously, you're going to have you know a couple here or there from Herb. You might have one or two from JV, depending on the matchup. And, like, you're right there. But I think there's no reason at all those three shouldn't average 30 attempts a game from them. And I think that that's probably the blueprint now, and that's where you're going to see them shift to and really go to. And I think one of the other things that's impressive about Jordan is Typically, you'll see young players, especially that are playing next to a very established other, um, you know, guys that are in their prime, like a Brandon. Obviously, you know, Zion's still pretty young, but, you know, he's a he's a big name guy. Like, at no point is he getting off the ball to, like, look to bail them out and find them. Like, he's hunting for shots in that group, and I think they respect that, right? Like, he believes— Yeah, he's definitely not reverting— like to them, which no, he's not, he's, like he's wanting the opportunity and he's, I mean, and I think part of being great and doing that is you have to be a little bit 
out of your mind, right? You have to have almost a level of unrealistic confidence, and he he has that. He possesses that. He believes that he should get the ball every time down there. That like he gives that team, and I'm sure he has all the respect in the world for guys like Zion, Brandon, and CJ. But in his sick mind, he believes the best chance for us to get a bucket is me shooting the ball, and I have and I I love that, right? And that's that's some a little bit of what Trey like Trey possesses a little bit of that. But you also you can see through a little bit of Trey's, right? Like Trey's confidence level and, and his aura that he has as a shooter is not yet of the level of a Jordan Hawkins, right? There's not many guys in this league, if if like I mean, maybe two or three guys in the league that you feel that same level of aura. And for him to have that already only 40 games into his professional career and him really not getting a whole lot of opportunities in totality is is pretty incredible. And I think He's vaulted himself to a place where, um, you know, he's damn near uh, untouchable. I mean, there's there's not much you could offer this team to move off of him just because of his current impact and, and what he could be here for the next, you know, couple years, right? I, I think that, that this guy's a, a player that has a really, really good opportunity to be one of those those special guys from, from behind the arc. No doubt. I mean, it's just been a great thing to see. I think we both have wanted to see him in the lineup and we, we kind of knew or could see from the beginning when he had um, a little bit of game action at the beginning of the year on how he could truly, you know, make this team better. And, you know, now teams are having to scout for him. So the gravity he's even taking towards a scouting report, and it's not just like he's a catch and shoot guy, like he can put the ball on the deck and, you know, hit a 18 foot, you know, 20 foot mid range shot. I mean, it's not like he's limited by any means, uh, just to you know catch and shoot threes or anything like that. No, I mean, I mean he's he's a twenty he's a twenty point per game scorer today. You know, if he's given a consistent amount of minutes on a night in night out basis, I'm not saying he's going to average twenty because of this. There's a lot of other you know mouths to feed on the offensive end, but he is he is certainly a twenty point per game level player today already. If he got no better, he he can manufacture you twenty points a night. Just because of, like you said, he's not just strictly a standstill catch and shoot player. I mean, he yes, he can catch and shoot it if he has space, but he can put it on the deck. He can shoot off the dribble. Um, you know, he he can come off screens and he can hit in that, like you said, eighteen to twenty foot range. He can work. I would imagine another level of he can work in the pick and roll and shoot off the bounce. Um, you know, he's got sneaky athleticism. You'll even see that he's a couple times he's gone to the rim and he's looking for contact and looking to play above the rim. So. I mean, this is a guy that is rapidly vaulting up, you know, the list of NBA conversation. And, you know, we've been having conversations that ultimately have led to, like, how do we get how do we get Trey minutes and how do we get him into that starting lineup? And a lot of that was bypassing Zion to do so. But, like, the development and how quickly Jordan is coming along, he's going to force his way into that starting lineup. He's too... He's too good of a player and too impactful to not be on the floor 30 minutes a night, right? And, and, and for this team, right, that's good because it gives them another avenue to continue to build around those two main pillars, um, but they can slide him in there, and right? There's obviously all kinds of dynamics that come into that, right, with guys like Herb and, and whatnot. But, like, this is not going to be a guy that you can park on the bench and is going to be coming off the bench and is, uh, you know, a spacer. Like, that's not his role. He's way too talented of a player for that to be, you know, his 
his six-month outlook, right? Like, this is a guy that, come playoff time, is going to be one of your most five important guys at all times to be on the floor just because of what he can do on the offensive end of the floor, right? Yeah, and for for my sake and for the team's sake, you know, I'm just happy because I think we both thought eventually he was going to crack this lineup and, you know, my thinking was, oh, well, it might be, you know, a little bit after All-Star break and then at that point you're kind of, you know, struggling for time to get him minutes and get him acclimated before a playoff run if you, you know, get the chance to be in the playoffs. But, you know, I like how they kind of right before this halfway point in the season have kind of figured this out. And I'm sure it was a very difficult, you know, discussion or conversation Willie had to have with some of the other guys that he might be playing minutes over. And, you know, the last two games, Jose really hasn't played much just for, you know, some garbage time here or there. So, I know Jose being a Willie guy that's, you know, been there through thick and thin and through that one playoff, uh, you know, series we had, and he was big in those moments. So I'm sure it's very tough for Willie to make that call and for Jose not to be on the floor. And obviously everybody's competitors here, but at the end of the day, you know, he, he has a certain skill that this team desperately needs. And um, I'm just glad, you know, at the halfway point, it seems like he should be locked into a rotational spot as you're, you know, seventh eighth man or you know however you want to you know crack that and minutes wise and everything like that so I'm pretty happy about that yeah it's a it's a great revelation and um like I said I think it it takes this team to the next level and and you know these these things turn around quickly right they're they're back at it tomorrow night against a super talented team a a team that they certainly have history with in Phoenix and and it's going to be a good matchup. It's going to be interesting to see if they can match up firepower for firepower um, when looking at a team like the Suns. And, um, you know, it's another great opportunity to keep, you know, working on these things that you're working on and, and really mold your identity, right? This is Phoenix is going to be a, a team that's going to want to play with some pace. They're going to want to get up shots, right? So this could certainly be a track meet. Um, and, and the Pelicans are, are going to have to come ready to play. So, um, you know, looking ahead to that game tomorrow night, I think that that's um, another great opportunity to continue improving. But, you know, it, it's one of those games where it's time to put your stamp on a game, right? It's time to come out, get yourself a big win, play the way you want to play in front of your home crowd. And I think you got to send a message to a team like Phoenix who, um, you know, despite their record, I have all the confidence in the world, whether it's via playing or if they sneak in and that in you know the back end of that sixth spot like they're going to be a team in the playoffs that's going to be a team you're going to see and that's more than likely going to be a team that you're going to have to get through um to get where you want to go so i think it's it's critical to come out and and impose your will on them and and you know set the record straight from the get-go that you know they're not a team that that can mess with with new orleans right new orleans has got to take advantage of that and take responsibility for that and I'm eager to see, right? It's an opportunity to grow and, and see if they're able to do that because I'm sure they're listening to the same message there internally. Um, but at the end of the day, right, it's it's a lot easier said than done, and um, they're going to have to come focused and, and ready to go because that's a good group across from them. Yeah, really excited about that game. Like you said, I, I like the head-to-head matchups. So I'll be interested to see, you know, kind of who matches up with who tomorrow. Big game feel, like we always say. I love a big game feel. It's at home. It's Phoenix coming in. You know, we have that history, barring, you know, not the same roster, not the collective group uh, over there for Phoenix, but, you know, a lot of good talent over there and a lot of good talent on our side. And 
you know, I know those, those fans tomorrow night in the SKC are going to be rocking. Uh, but before we kind of sign off here, I wanted to just kind of pick your brain on what, what are some of the things maybe since we are at this halfway point that you'd like to see in this second half uh, of the season um, as well as the team? What, what do you want to see them, you know, maybe get better at or see them do? But for me personally, I'll just start out and say, you know, I want this team to be in more clutch situations. I want to see if they've learned from, you know, this first half of the year on, you know, how can we finish these games? How can we get a couple clutch wins? And I think that'll be, you know, imperative for this team moving forward, you know, if they get that opportunity to be in the playoffs um, as well. It's going to just help them immensely. Uh, so, you know, I am hoping for a lot of close games in this this second part of the year against a lot of good teams, a lot of good coaches that are really going to test them um, and see kind of how they're fair with that. Because I, I think this team's getting better on a night-to-night basis, and you kind of have seen that, I think, 15 and 8 in their last 22 games. So you see it from that perspective. But I just like to see those moments that are the, the, the clutch time, last five minutes, hitting your free throws, getting to the sets that you want to do, and you know, ultimately, let those players decide, you know, the outcomes of these games, and uh, see if they can, you know, pick up some clutch wins here. Yeah, I mean, that's a great one. That that probably is, like you said, that's probably number one on the list. That's the most important thing they need to accomplish and improve at to get where they want to go. Right? Um, they're already a pretty solid team right now. I think for me, it would be, um, you know, don't be afraid to go like all the way in in terms of leaning into this style, right? Like don't, don't back up from this. If you take some losses that you're unhappy with, or you don't make shots, like you aren't going to be able to get to where you want to get to ultimately. And and whether that being, you know, getting to a Western conference final or or maybe down the road next year, um, you know, hopefully, you know, having a chance to compete in the finals, right. Would obviously be awesome. You're not going to get there without playing the style that they're playing, right? This is this is how you have to win. This is what creates the biggest advantage for you, you know, in comparison to what you already do well. Is you've got to be willing to shoot the ball, and you've got to be willing to shoot it at a high clip, and be able to live with the results, right? They have too many good shooters to be afraid of of doing it and and back away from it if they have a poor shooting first quarter, right? Like you've got to continue to shoot the shots you know you need to take and. For me, like you said, I would love to see them in a, in a lot of close games. But at the same time, I want to see them playing in the right way. I want to see them playing in a style that is, you know, something that they can lean on going forward. I don't want them just to, like, play a certain style to win a certain game. And, yeah, that's great. You got the win. But you're not improving, right? You're not raising your ceiling compared to teams like the Clippers and the Nuggets. Like, you, that's how you even out the gap there. And then when, when the floor is pretty much even in terms of playing style, right, that's when I think you have the edge because you are deeper, right? You are um, very talented on the top end of it. And then you have all this versatility that you've built out in terms of guys like Herb and Dyson and, and guys of that nature, like a Larry Nance, right? Like that's when you're able to start defeating those teams and being the best team in the West is whenever you, you even out the differential that these other teams have over you just due to the style that they play, right? If you're shooting the same amount of shots they're shooting and, and making somewhere around the same clip, then it just becomes head-to-head. And then I think that's where this team really can take that next step because they have all these great pieces in place, but they're, you know, without playing the style, they're competing at 80% because just the margins are too hard to overcome 
when teams are shooting so many threes and playing at that level that it just it's hard to win at the rate that you need to win at. So for me, certainly agree with your takeaway. Number one, they need to learn to close games and work together as games get tight and not to go away with or to go away from what they're doing. But secondly is they have to fully lean all the way into the offensive system that they're wanting to have in place and just fully adopt like this is who we are, this is what we're going to do, and they can't go backwards. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, Pat, there. And then just uh, before the close here, I just wanted to just ask you a question. Um, you know, we had seen that the Pelicans did um, trade Kyra Lewis, uh, you know, away yesterday to kind of relieve some money and get us under the tax. Um, but my question is, do you think the Pelicans have a 5% chance of, you know, making a run this year and winning a title? That'd be my first question to you. I mean, 5%, that's not very much. So I'd say yes, because 5% just isn't a very big piece of the pie. Um, but I don't think you should make moves simply out of the fact that it's to win a title, right? Like you have steps that you need to accomplish before you can confidently put yourself in that class. And I think there's things that you need to do or can do that make that a lot more likely, right? Like, Sure, everybody's goal is to win a title, but I mean, if you asked everybody in that organization and this fan base, like, what would like is a successful season if this team gets to a Western Conference final and plays good basketball? Like, yeah, that's a huge step, and that's something that you should be trying to position yourself to do. Because at that point, if you're one of the final four teams remaining in the league, anything can happen, right? Like, it's about setting yourself up to get there, right? It's kind of like the Miami teams of the past couple of years, like, you wouldn't really pick them to be there, but it's like, well, once you get to the Eastern Conference Finals, like, it's a completely different ball game. It's zero zero. Like anybody can come out of it, and I think that's what they need to do. So yes, to answer your question, do I think they have a five percent chance? Probably, but that's not my metric, and that's not my goalpost. My goalpost is can this team find a way to get themselves into a Western Conference Final series? Yeah, and that's kind of where I was heading at. Like if you have like you're saying, any inkling of this team maybe making a run? Like, is that the grounds for you to say, hey, like, we've got this solidified team, but with the deadline coming up, is there a move that could basically, you know, not ensure that, but give you the best possibility? Or, obviously, if you think that the team currently constructed as it is, could still make that run as well? Yeah, I mean, certainly, yeah, there's definitely things you could do um, that take you to a whole nother level, right? But you still have to continue to play and improve the things that you're doing now. Um, but yeah, certainly. I think I think they're at a point where if they continue what they're doing right now and they're playing good basketball and you see that they're heading in the right direction prior to All-Star break, um, I think you got to have some tough conversations. And I think if not now, when, right? Like, all things considered, knock on wood, you've pretty much had everything kind of go as you need them to go, like, in terms of health. Like, this is the, the healthiest you've gotten out of Zion, right? You don't know if that's guaranteed in the future or what that looks like. So if, it, if it's me, right, like, I've got to be taking a serious look at what can I do to maximize this roster now? Um, because as we know, doors 
in this league, they open and shut very quickly, and they usually open and shut earlier than you think. So this year, the door could could swing open for them earlier than they believe that it rightfully should, right? If you think this team could contend in, in a year or two or three. But at the same rate, if you sit on your hands and do nothing, that door can also slam shut earlier than you believe it, it typically would. So, um, you know, I think especially if this team can get to the four spot by the all-star break or is knocking right on the door and everything's headed in the right direction, then I think you've, you've got to take a swing and you've got to do some things that, um, you know, maybe have a certain level of risk but have a lot of reward to it because you have a lot of pieces in place that, that gives you a legitimate shot. Like I said, if you get to that Western Conference final and things are clicking – you have every chance as well as the other three teams in the league to, to, to hoist up that trophy, right? And things would have to go well, but it's your job to give yourself the best chance. And I think that giving yourself the best chance is going to require maybe an additional move. Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, I was kind of getting at. And I think you answered that perfectly. Because uh, it's like one of those things, like you, you've loved what JV's brought to the team this year offensively and, you know, hasn't missed a game, has been tough, but, you know, on an expiring deal, like, do you go out and get a big who maybe has a couple years on on his contract and, and you, you ship JV out of here? Um, it's just another tough call, you know. That's just kind of the thinking I'm thinking of. Like, if you got to get off of JV since he's expiring and you can get a big maybe that has a two- or three-year contract set in stone and can help this team progress in the way that we need him to progress – you know, that's something that this organization and Griff and uh, Trajan and all them are going to have to discuss, like you said, if they can especially get to a certain point by the all-star break. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's the that's the clear kind of one everyone's looking at is JV, right? Obviously, you can't commend JV enough for his availability and his professionalism, and in that manner, it'd be tough to lose that. But you also... You, you have a ceiling with JV, and I think that's fine for now, but it's hard to maximize that because there's not going to be a lot of situations where you can rely on the things that he does well because of his deficiencies, and we've talked about that at nauseum, right? Like, everybody knows what they are, um, and you can still be a good basketball team with him. Don't get me wrong. He's still a good player, um, but to get where you want to get to and to have guys on the floor that need to be on the floor to give you the best chance to get there – that's probably the area you need to focus on and the one that you need to improve. Um, and certainly, you know, there, there's guys out there, right? Is it, is it going to cost you assets? Is it going to cost you things? Of course it is. You know, th- there's going to be other teams that covet the same, amount, the same type of guys. But, I mean, there's, I don't really think there's a better situation in terms of other teams that they could easily plug in a guy in that spot. And suddenly the teams, you look at them a lot differently, like, whoa, like, who can this team not be right? Like that. So that's the clear move for me. And there's a couple guys out there that you, you'll, you'll continue to monitor over the next couple of weeks, but um, you know, playing Monday morning quarterback, essentially where if this team gets to where they need to in the next couple of weeks and you've got a chance to do it, I think you've got to take a really, really, really good look at it. And ultimately put your, put your money where your mouth is and push the chips to the table and, and see what you can do. Cause like I said, man, it's, you, you don't know when the opportunities are going to pre- present themselves. And if things are heading in the right direction, I think y- you're doing yourself a disservice and the organization a disservice not to say, hey, let's, let's at least let's give ourselves the best chance to, 
to go as far as we can. So that's what I'll be waiting to see uh, what unfolds. Love the insight, Pat. Um, you know, it's always good hearing from you and kind of pick your brain on what you're thinking uh, with this New Orleans Pelicans team, you know, who sits at 25 and 17 and fifth in the West. So a lot of interesting things going to be coming down, like you said, in the next couple weeks and huge game tomorrow against the Phoenix Suns. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. As always, it was a joy and a pleasure to get on here and, and talk shop with you and looking forward to the next time we can uh, we can do it. Yes, sir. All right, man. Take it easy. Thank you.